So have you made your New Year's resolution yet? Raise your hand if you made a New Year's resolution. Okay. Four people. (laughs) Do you want 2024 to be better? Yes. And you have to do some things different. Understand? You you can't keep doing the same thing over and over expecting a different result. That's right. Got to make some shifts. Got to make some change. So I want to talk a little bit from from the church perspective, not only our church corporately, but each of us individually make up the church. I want to talk about that, and we're going to talk about God's got more in 24. He really does. So what does the Bible say about the more that he might have for us? We want to unpack that this morning. Let me give you a scripture that the prophet Isaiah gave. God was speaking to the people of Israel, and he speaks through prophets. So Isaiah was a prophet. And this was a, uh, a prophecy that, he, that God spoke to him in Isaiah 54, verse 2. He says this to, to the whole nation. This is to the whole nation. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. You see what he's saying? He says, get ready for an expansion. Get ready for more. Get ready for something bigger. He's telling us to prepare for that. In other words, how we live our life is a demonstration of the faith we have in our hearts. And he's telling us, he's he's telling Israel, he's about to do something. Now, what was the context of that great, great prophecy? Let me read the verse just before. Sing, barren woman, you who never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy. You who never were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. He's speaking to people who have never sensed the presence of God or the power of God or the prosperity of God or the the enlargement of God. God wants to enlarge our territory. He wants to do some great things. But he's speaking to people who have never experienced that. So I want to say to you this morning, there are some of you sitting here who really, your own testimony is, you've really never seen God do a breakthrough in your life. You, God, you know God's good, and you're all excited about God doing things in other people's lives, but he's speaking to th- those of us who have never experienced God bring breakthroughs. And he's saying, fasten your seatbelts for the next year. Something good is going to happen to you. Amen. So... Uh, I want to share a couple things from the scripture about more, what it's going to be like more. Here's the first one. This is James chapter 4, verse 6. He says, but, but he gives more grace. Don't you love that? He gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The New American Standard Bible says he gives greater grace. I love that. Grace is unmerited favor, favor you don't deserve. To merit it means you've earned it. This is unmerited favor. He gives us favor when we don't deserve it. I'm a sinner. It's my confession. Can you confess that? That's acknowledging the reality of who you are in a fallen world. Just acknowledge it, and then you get grace. 
long as you think you're so great, that's pride. And he resists pride. the proud, gives grace to the humble. That's uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. As this grace goes out to more and more people, there are more and more testimonies. Yes. Yeah, I lived my life the wrong way. I sowed a lot of wild seeds. They came up and about choked me to death. But then God stepped in and gave me grace. Mm-hmm. Aren't you glad he gives you grace? I sowed a lot of wild seeds before I became a Christian. Mm-hmm. And those seeds had to come up. They had, you know what seeds do? Weed seeds that you sow when they start growing. It got so bad that I had to reach out to God and confess my sin and ask him to forgive me and come into my heart and give me a new life. That's when I turned things around. I turned them around. I had to make changes in my own life. God didn't do it to me. I had to make those changes. And when I made those changes, good things began to happen because the good seeds I sowed began to outnumber the bad seeds I had sown. All seeds grow up. But if you got more good seeds out there than bad seeds, you can have a prosperous life. God can put peace in your life. You can succeed in what you want to do down here on this earth. When uh, I'm, I'm glad to say that going into 2024, my wife and I have our house paid off. It's free and clear. Still have to pay the same taxes. But it's mine. Nobody's going to take it away. But I remember when we were making those payments, struggling every month to make that payment. The bank had an arrangement with us. It was called a grace period. In other words, the, the payment's due on such and such date. And, and after that, we have defaulted on the loan. They can legally come and take my house away if I'm two days late. But they have in, this, in the system a grace period, which means I'm guilty, but they're going to give me favor till I, get, till I get it in there. God gives me a grace period. Yes. One of these days, I'm going to have to stand before God, and I am going to have to give account of everything I've done, including those pre-Christ days. I'm going to have to give account of everything, because there are no secrets with God. He knows everything. So we need to make peace. We need to get this resolved. More, more grace. There's more grace available. He gives more grace, church. Let's go to the second thing I'm looking forward to in 2024, and that is more blessings. More blessings. Now, blessings is a wide open term. It can be physical blessings, material blessings, financial blessings. can be spiritual blessings, but there's more blessings that come from God. I'm getting this from Mark, Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verse 24, where it says, Then he said to them, Take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more, more will be given. For those of us that hear, in other words, if we'll pay attention to the Word of God, He's going to drop little clues into our life on things we, 
we can do that will bring the more blessings into our life. I really believe this works. Works in my life, it'll work in yours. God gives us promises. But if you read them carefully, nearly all of them, almost, not all, there are some unconditional promises, but nearly all of those have conditions. If you will do this, then I will do that, God says. He wants to bring great blessing into our life. I got a, it's the end of the year, so I got, an, I got this new uh, health care, this new insurance card, health insurance card. But it said right there, I have, I have to do something to activate it. It looks just like my other card, but it says I have to activate it. It's not going to work unless I activate it. You and I have to do some things in our life to activate the promises of God. Yes. And I'm, I'm praying, I'm hoping, I'm believing that this next year as we go into 2024, because of some of the things I've learned to myself and I've passed on to you and, and the scriptures and the promises of God that we have shared, I'm believing that next year we're going to see even more and more blessings. Yes. Because we're doing some things a little bit differently than we were before. I keep growing in that. You keep growing in that. More and more blessings become available to us. Now, he said in this scripture, he said here that we, we, with the same measure you use, with the same measure you use, it will be used back to you. Yes. Yes. I, I, I get to set the measurement. Yes. Right. I can be cheap, yes. chintzy, or I can be extremely generous. Whatever measure I use, God uses. Mm-hmm. I set the measurement. Yes. Now, in the United States, one of the first things the government had to do was establish measurements. They, they had a committee whose job it was to set a U.S. standard for weights mm-hmm. and measurements. And so they had to establish what is a pound, a weight, you know, because... Farmers all over America were selling grain by measurement. What kind of measurement? Volume or, or, or is it weight? So they had to establish what a pound weighs. An official U.S. pound. They had to establish what a dollar is worth. They had to establish that. How much is one acre? A measurement of land. How much is that? The government had to establish that. Because they understood everybody would do things that were right in their own eyes. And somebody's going to get cheated. And once somebody discovers they can get ahead by cheating somebody else, that becomes the standard. So the United States government set a standard for these measurements. But when it comes to the measurement of our blessings, it comes from God. So God sets the standard. And then he watches how we practice our lives what measure are we using? Do we really believe God? Then we will act like we believe God. If we don't believe God, then we will act like we really don't believe Him. And He uses the same measure back to us in pouring out the blessings that we use in our life. So let's be men and women of faith. Ephesians 1 verse 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing 
in Christ. So the blessings that come our way aren't always material blessings. It's not always you got a better job or you got a pay raise or you got extra commission or a bonus. It's not always like that. Sometimes it's an open door opens for you that you didn't anticipate. That's a blessing. That's a spiritual blessing. And sometimes it's those of us who are worldly-minded opening our understanding and seeing something spiritual about God that we never saw before, which changes the way we live, and because it changes the way we live, it changes the blessings in our life. So I'm anticipating more blessings in 2024. Here's the third one I want you to see. I'm anticipating more church in 2024. Here's where it's coming from. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day, capital D, approaching. You know what that capital D day means, don't you? The day of the Lord's return. He's coming back again. Like it or not, ready for it or not, he's coming back again. It's a given that some people are not ever going to go to church. They're not going to come to the assembly. What church is, is the assembly of the saints. It's not a building, not an organization. It's the assembly of the saints. When we come together... You have the Holy Spirit in you. I got the Holy Spirit in me. The folks on the other side have the Holy Spirit in them. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And we need to encourage one another. How can I encourage one another when I'm safe in my hideout? Because I don't trust people down there at the church. There's some people that won't come to church because they got hurt a long, long time ago. They just won't do it. How can they encourage one another? How can they be encouraged when they've isolated themselves from encouragement? So I'm, I'm thankful for you because you're here. You got out of your comfort zone when you knew it was going to be cold outside and you came here and you knew you're going to be up late tonight, but yet you came. At least the young people are going to be up late tonight. <laughs> Exhort means encourage. I need encouraged. Sometimes life just throws me all kinds of mud balls, and I don't like it. That happened to you? I need encouraged. Sometimes you're the one who's getting the mud balls thrown at you. You need encouraged. We need to encourage one another. How can we do that when we're not with one another? So he says, we're supposed to do this all the more as you see chaos in the world looking like the Lord could come back any day. That's even more pressure to be together. I don't want to be caught with the Lord coming back, not doing my father's business. So in 2024, there's going to be more church for me. This is my final message, December 31st, my final message to the church as your senior pastor. When I go to sleep tonight, I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning, not your senior pastor. But that's my chair. (laughs) Nobody sits in my seat. I'm going to be here every Sunday because this is my heart. This isn't my job. This is my heart. 
So it's going to be more church for me in 2024. Next week, Pastor Adams is going to preach his first sermon as the senior pastor of New Hope Christian Center. And we are going to lay hands on him and commission him as the senior pastor of this church. I want to be a part of that because there's more church for me in the future. And so much the more. We need each other all the more as we see the day approaching. One of the biggest difficulties in, uh, in running a relay race is passing the baton because it's easy for either party to fumble the baton. So we need to be very careful how we pass the baton. Thank you, Dad. I want to take a second and just, just honor my parents because what they've done since, ni- since 1980 is absolutely unheard of. He's been the senior pastor of the same church for 43 years without an asterisk. There's no 43 years except for the scandal. So faithful man, we honor you. Thank you, Dad. Thank you, Mom. Love you guys. All right, more. God's got more in 24. Here's the second half of the sermon. Uh, uh, (laughs) Did they put up the point already? There you go. Cat's out of the bag. I was trying to be really encouraging. It's a really encouraging message. You ready? God's got more problems. That's what he's got for you. More problems. What an encouraging word. This comes from Exodus. God's people were in Egypt, uh, slaves, and, uh, and the Egyptians started to, or they weren't slaves yet, the Egyptians were, were intimidated by all of the uh, Israelites, and so they decided to try a little birth control, and they, they oppressed them. They, they put them under slavery. But this is what happened, Exodus 12, uh, 1 Verses 12 and 13. But the more they were oppressed, or another way to say that is, the more problems they had, the more problems, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. And here's the deal. This wasn't out of nowhere. This wasn't, this wasn't, like, like, like if you read the whole Bible, you see this is actually part of God's plan. Way back, Genesis chapter 15, verse 13, God said to Abraham, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country, Egypt, not their own, and they'll be enslaved and mistreated there. So when Israel was oppressed by Egypt, they could hold tight, they could get through their problems because they knew that God knew. Like this, this, was, this was part of God's plan. They were in the middle of it. Here's my point. These problems that Israel faced wasn't something that just happened. It was actually something that God's hand was in. God's hand was was in the midst of the problem. Sometimes what God has for us is more problems. I can hear some of you thinking right now, 
Oh, no, Pastor Adam, not my Bible. I know what my Bible says. God wants to give me hope in the future. He has good plans in store. Yeah, Jeremiah 29, 11. Read the whole passage. That is about, uh, the, the, the verses before it is Jeremiah saying, you're going to go off into exile. You're about to have a whole lot more problems. But I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to give you hope in the future. Like, like you're not done. I'm not done with you, but you're going to have more problems. I'm just not done with you yet. That's the context of Jeremiah 29, 11. God indeed sometimes gives more problems. Now, is the source of problems God or, or Satan? I'm not really sure that, that matters in this part. What, what I'm trying to communicate is, is what matters most is how we respond. How are we going to live? Problems are going to happen. You will face Trouble. The Bible promises it, but, it, but there's more that comes with the promise if you handle the, the trouble that you're in. If you handle it right, if you handle it God's way, there's another promise. So we can look at that. Why does God allow more problems to come into our life? Here it is, James chapter 1. My brothers and sisters, you will face all kinds of trouble. You're going to have more problems. When you do, think of it as a pure joy. Your faith will be tested. You know that when this happens, it will produce in you the strength to continue. And you must allow this strength to finish its work. It's got to do its thing. If we bail every time we start to feel oppressed, we, oh, it hurts, oh, I have a problem. Ah, God, you're done. He was in the middle of doing it. Any machine has to work before it puts the output out. We are in a faith machine, and God is working us. And we can't bail until... Well, we have to allow the strength to finish its work. Then you'll be all you should be. Then you'll be all you should be. You'll have everything you need. Here's the truth. In 2024, some of you are going to have a really hard year. 365 days from now, some of you are going to say, oh, I'm so glad that's over. I can't wait for 25. Some of you will experience loss. Maybe a loved one, maybe, maybe you'll lose a job. Some of you will experience grief. Some of you will experience pay cuts, tension, fights, and other problems. Some of you will experience health problems you didn't even see coming. Some of you are going to be really, really, really tested. That happens. James says, you will face all kinds of trouble. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Some of you are going to be tested. So, so here, here's, here's what we need to do. We need to pre-decide. We can all understand that, that some of us are going to have some hard things happen this year. Right? That's just how life works. It, you, you can't have life without having some hard things that happen. Some of us are going to have really hard things this year. So what do we do with it? Let's now pre-decide. Lord, no matter what comes, no matter what problems come, I'm going to keep trusting you. I'm going to keep the course. I'm going to obey. I'm going to lean in harder to you and run into you because you are my stronghold and you keep me safe. If we pre-decide that and then when the troubles come, yeah, it's hard, but you won't be alone and you'll have a hard rock to be hidden behind. All right, God's got more in 24, more of what? Here's number five. God's got more hunger for you, more hunger. 
more hunger. Acts chapter 17 uh, tells this story. It says, now the Berean Jews, those are Jews from Berea, the Berean Jews were of more noble character. Now, now this point is more hunger, not more noble, noble character. So let's check this out. The Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness, and they examined the scriptures every day, every day to see what Paul had said was true. So the Berean Jews, what, what actually happened here in, in Acts, if you read up above that portion, the Thessalonica Jews, they were like, having none of it, there was like a, a, a riot against Paul. Uh, now the Berean Jews were very receptive. They were open. They were eager to study the scriptures. Or in other words, they had hunger. They were of more noble character because they had more hunger. You will be someone of more noble character if you receive and examine the word of God. The funny thing about hunger is, um, like if, you, if you fast and don't eat for a while, like you get really hungry for two or three days. And then something kind of crazy happens. You're just not hungry. Like, like the, you're not hungry the same way. And the only way to get that hunger back is to start eating again. When you eat, it makes you hungry. In fact, if you eat McDonald's, you will hunger for McDonald's. This, this studies show this. There's a, if you eat fried chicken, you will want fried chicken. If you eat salad and fish, you will want more salad and fish. And if you consume more God, you will be hungry for more of God. The more you go after him, the hungrier you get. And if you've lost that hunger, and the idea of of opening your Bible feels like a chore or a duty, you know how to get the hunger back? You do it. You do it. Just like some of us this this next year, we want to eat healthier, and we're going to have to shove lettuce in our mouth. (laughs) But but just wait a week or two, and you'll be you'll be like, I want some lettuce. I want more lettuce. I don't even need that much salad. I just need some lettuce. Open that Bible. Three ways you can stir up some more hunger. How do we get hungrier for God? Three things. Seek, soap, soak. Seek the Lord. Seek God in prayer. The Pray First app is a wonderful way to do it. Soap, the scriptures. S-O-A-P, scripture, observation, application, prayer. So what you can do is you can have a journal out and you can read a, read a passage of the, of the Bible and write down the scripture that stands out to you. Observe what it's saying, apply it to your life, and then pray or, or surrender. Like, okay, God, I'll, I'll, do, I'll do what you're showing me. And you soak, soak in worship. Allow, allow the presence of God to really transform you. Just spend time in the presence of God. If you do those three things, your hunger will rise. Yeah. <clears throat> it may feel like a duty. It may feel like a chore but I want you to do your duty until it's a delight. Do the duty until it's a delight. And then do more and more. Do more and more. That's the third, that's the the sixth point. God, what does God have for 24? God's got more and more. More 
and more. 2 Thessalonians 1.3 says, We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing. Say it with me. More and more. Your faith is growing more and more. And the love of all you have uh, for one another is increasing. One of Satan's greatest lies in America is this. Good enough. In my perspective, that's a uniquely American church lie that Satan is using in the church and is working. Good enough. In God's sovereignty, he has placed many believers in countries where it's illegal to confess Jesus Christ. It's illegal. They'll go to jail. They'll be killed. These believers cling to each other to survive. And in God's sovereignty, he's placed you and me not there. In God's sovereignty, he's placed us in one of the most developed, independent, richest countries in the world. Conveniences we take for granted, like the washing machine, are presidential luxuries for some others. In a DeKalb County, we don't have one church. We, there's over 100. There's 100 churches in DeKalb County. It's a lot. And in that environment, it's real easy to believe Satan when he leans over and says, Psst, that's, that's, uh, that's good enough. Good enough. Just maintain. Just stay there. Good. But don't you listen. Don't listen to him. Never be satisfied. I want to be like, like these people that uh, Paul was writing to. Let our faith increase more and more. Let our love for one another always be increasing more and more. Church, don't be complacent with your spiritual life. Try harder. I don't even know how, I'm not even saying you're not trying hard. But however hard you're trying... Try harder. Go for Jesus. Let's go for it. We need to strive to thrive in our relationship with God. More and more. I think this is a particular challenge for, really, I said it before, but it's American evangelicals. Because we believe we're saved by faith alone, right? We're saved by faith alone. And so if we believe that we're saved by faith alone, then when Satan says, you got it. That's good enough to stop. Then we'll become maintainers, spiritual maintainers. That fly, that, that is the opposite of more and more. That's the opposite of what the Bible, Bible says God wants for us. But, but we'll become spiritual maintainers. Like, that's good. That's, I'm all right. That's enough. I believe that's enough. Yeah, we are saved by faith alone. But faith that saves is never alone. Faith without works isn't alive. I'm going to ask the band to come on up, please. Worship team is going to come up. Maintaining looks so appealing, church. But God does not want us to maintain. In Matthew 25, Jesus told a parable of the bags of gold. And in this parable of the bags of gold, the one that maintained 
There were several that, that received gold from the master, and they went and invested. They worked on it, and they, they did something with it. And they were rewarded. But it was the one who just took it and said, okay, yeah, that, good enough, good enough. I don't, I don't want anything to happen to it. I just want to do nothing. Just maintain. That one was called in the, in the scripture, uh, wicked and lazy. Wicked and lazy servant. What's God have for us in 24? God's got more in 24. He's got more and more. We don't get to let off the gas pedal. You don't get to do it. Dad, you don't get to let off the gas pedal. It's a new gear, new, new shift. You got to put the clutch in. New, new gear. I don't know. <laughs> Something about the gears. <laughs> I only drive automatic. <laughs> Something that you have to use your other foot for. It's a new gear in the new year, Dad, but uh, you don't get to let off the gas pedal because of this. This is for all of us. Romans twelve eleven. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your sp- spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Would you stand with me? Lord, thank you for the work that uh, you've done and you're continuing to do in our hearts. Lord, I pray that we would hold on to you closely, that our hunger would stir up, and that we'd push to be closer and closer to you. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's worship the Lord.